0: Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Uh, I believe in the 11th beatitude of the disciples is the one not listed in the Bible. Uh, for those of you that don't know it, it's blessed of the short-winded, they'll be invited back. So we're gonna be out here by five o'clock. Turn to the person sitting on either side of you and tell them, if you stay stupid, we can't be friends. (laughs) Okay, let's try this again. (laughs) Turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them, if you stay stupid, we can't be friends. Now now turn to the person on the other side or sitting behind you and tell them he is very wrong to discuss you publicly like that. I, uh, I came with one purpose in mind for the next 24 hours. And that is, I want to completely mess up your thinking, because I can't change your life till I change the way you think. And I'm going to show you some things from the Bible, and at the end of it, you'll tell me, I think I've been reading the wrong Bible. Wow. I, I came out of the Anglican church. I was an Anglo-Catholic for years. I had no idea I came back to one. <laughs> You're all really quiet. I'm used to loud churches. Let's try to... You know, many potteries at Philead Spirit was saying, come on, make... I'm just going to try and find the most prosperous person in the room. Oh, see, now I mention it. Now you all want to stand up. The one thing I've learned in 27 years of preaching ministry, I've traveled to 51 different countries, I've spoken more times than most of you have had dot, hot dinners in your life, I've earned more money and circulated more money. Notice I use the word circulate because I don't spend money. I have circulated more money than most of you will earn in a lifetime. I have a strange belief about money because I believe that prosperity is a psychology which becomes a philosophy, which becomes a way of life. If you don't have a prosperity consciousness, you won't think with a prosperity mentality, which means you won't be prosperous. Okay, let me find the happiest person in the room. Auntie Anna, you didn't tell me you had a whole load of Roman Catholics in your your people. If you cannot think prosperous, you will not be prosperous. The scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. You see, a thought has power. The power a thought has is to become a spoken word, and when it becomes a spoken word, it has life. You're all too busy telling me and other people, I can't do this and I can't do that because I don't have enough money, I don't have the money, I'm not making the money, because that is your consciousness, that is your mentality, that's your thought pattern, which means that's what you verbalize, and that is the thing that you are creating in your life. The Bible says, let the poor say, I am, why? Because Jesus, the Master, prosper. The, the master at teaching us how to prosper is telling us your mentality sucks. I speak plain English. I'll do it in Latin for you if you want me to. Most of us in this room live a life that sucks. You'll say when I'm not around, so just admit it now. I used to tell my my family, I used to tell my friends, my life sucks. Guess what? Every time I said it, that's the very thing I was attracting in my life. Because what you speak of is the thing that you're creating. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is developing a prosperity mentality means that you can create any life that you desire through the thoughts you think and the words you speak. Is it too difficult? I came to challenge you. I came to provoke you. Your your dear pastor's wife can tell you. If you want somebody to sympathize with you, if you want somebody to pat you on the back and just give you a feel good about things are going to be all right, you know you're going through it, but you're I'm the wrong person. I'm here to provoke you into your destiny. Because if nobody else will, I'll have to. If you knew what to do to change your life, you'd already have done it. You wouldn't need me. I came because you don't know what to do. Uh, Let's let's come back tomorrow, shall we? I, I know it's late. I know you've had a lot of speakers. I've listened to two of the three speakers that have spoken today. They've told you some incredible stuff. I agree with some of it. I disagree with a lot of it. That's my prerogative and my privilege. I don't believe in learning how to manage money. I believe in making more money than I can manage. I don't believe in giving on 10% and living off 90 I believe in giving so much that I live off 10 and give away 90 Your greatest limitation in your life is you, the person looking back at you in the mirror. I've just been working, at, well, I'm working on the largest business deal I've ever done in my life. It's the second, uh, the, it's, it's 50% bigger than the largest deal I've done to date in my life. I said to one young lady about it when we're having something to eat outside, And I said, you know, the the business that we're working on has a total asset value of $62 million. She said, that's a lot of money. I said, to you, it's not a lot of money to me because my perspective is different. See, if you think owning a 20,000-pound car is a lot of money, you need to shift your perspective. If you think spending 150,000 pounds on a house is a lot of money, you need to shift your perspective. I was blessed when Pastor Abbey was talking about gold because we put so much value on it. and It is the very thing God uses as paving stones. We put tremendous value in, in precious metals and God thinks so little of them. He says, you know, the streets of heaven are paved with gold. What is important to you, what's valuable to you is not important to somebody else. What's big to you is not big to somebody else. Twenty-four hours ago, I was sitting at home on the phone with an invitation to go meet the president of Congo, to go discuss doing business with him, president of a nation, recently elected. That might be big to you. That's not big to me. Perspective. Prosperity mentality. I think a lot differently to every other preacher. You'll never hear a preacher say what I'm about to say to you. You'll cry, you'll cuss me out, you'll shock, you'll everything. You ready for it? I love money, <laughs> and money loves me. That's a big difference. Pastor Abi quoted the scripture. No, 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 it was, it, was, uh, uh, it was the lady from the PCU. There's a scripture that says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. That's true. I've found one thing in life that's more evil than the love of money. Do you know what it is? The lack of it. I don't care who you are. To me, the lack of money is more evil than the love of money. Now, notice what I said. The love of money is what the Scripture says. See, I don't have a love of money. I have a love for money, which means I respect what it can do for me. The purpose of money is to create experiences experiences for you, for me, and for other people. So if you don't have any, you're not creating the thing God gave you to do. I don't prosper because God wants me to drive a Rolls Royce, wear a Rolex watch, and live in a castle, and I've done all of those. I prosper because God wants me to be a blessing to somebody else. You can't help poor people when you're one of them. Give, and it shall be given unto you. That's what the Scripture says. i, I, I gone way too. I'm messing you up, eh? Told you you won't hear another preacher say the things I say. I challenge people, because where you live right now is not Enough. What you're doing for the kingdom right now is not enough. What I'm doing for the kingdom, even though it might be at a different level to where you're at, is not enough. So we have to expand our thinking so that we can expand our reality. If you don't think differently... Why do I talk about the way you think? Why do I talk about a prosperity mentality? Because Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said, being not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of the mind. Yeah? You all know the scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2? In the Greek, the word used there for mind is the word psyche. From where we get psychiatrists, psychoanalysts, it means the subconscious mind. Because you can change your conscious mind simply by opening your mouth. Think about somebody punching you in the face and then say something. You stop thinking that quick. But your subconscious mind is where you are pre-programmed in life. So all the wrong things you do, all the wrong things you say, all the wrong actions that happen to you, happen to you because of what is inherent in your subconscious nature. How many people drive? Wow, that's a lot for London, eh? So how many people have ever driven to somewhere and when you got there thought, how did I get here? Huh? Do you know why? It's Because psychiatrists call that second nature. You've done it so often, so frequently, it has now become intrinsic in what you do. You don't even have to think about it. Your bad habits... Your bad mentality, your bad outlook on life is your second nature. You are doing it without even thinking about it. We're not conscious of the things that we say. And the things that we say, according to the scripture, are giving life to our life. Every time you say, I'm broke, what are you bringing into your life? Because what you focus on is the thing that you attract in your life. My mentor used to teach me, the anointing you sow into is the anointing that you attract. So if I am looking to prosper, but I'm hanging around with people that aren't, what is my focus? Those Catholics. Pastor, what have I done to your people? I think I've scared them to life. If You don't think differently, you'll never live differently. Let, let me give you a practical example. Because I, I don't boast on myself. I'm not very good as a person, as a human being. Auntie Anna could tell you that. I'm brutal. I'm harsh. I'm provocative. But God has given me this incredible love to help people to prosper. I wouldn't spend a dime, because I used to live under the philosophy that every one of us has been taught. Live for today, save for tomorrow. We've all been taught it, whether it was your your parents, your grandparents, great-grandparents, aunties, uncles, live for today, save for tomorrow. Can I say something that's going to mess you up? That's the promise of a fool. Why would you live for today and save for tomorrow when God doesn't even give us the promise of tomorrow? I'm not saying don't save because you need to. It's a good practice. But don't put all of your hope into tomorrow. I look for opportunities today to be a blessing and to be blessed. Because tomorrow will look after itself. Why? My mind thinks differently about money. Money in this life is the being, doing, having power of God. You've heard the scripture today. Money answers all things. You can be anything you desire with enough money. You can do anything you desire with enough money. You could have anything you desire with enough money. Money is the being, doing, having power of God in your life. There are things in your life you want to do. There are places you want to go. There are things you want to have. You can't do it. Why? Because you don't have the money. But there will come a point when your mind makes a shift to understand. The scripture says that he will take care of all of my needs according to his riches in glory. But Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why does it say I shall not need? Wanting and needing are two very different things. Every time I've bought a car, I needed something with an engine, four wheels, and a steering wheel. But what I wanted was a 7 Series BMW or an S-Class Mercedes, or a Rolls-Royce Phantom, or a Porsche 911 Turbo, or a bright yellow Aston Martin DB7 GT, or a silver Range Rover with black leather interior, and electric hot and cold seats. See, what I needed was something with an engine, four wheels, and a steering wheel. But what I wanted was very different. Now I've listed those cars because I got everything I ever wanted. If you can't celebrate somebody else's blessings, you'll never celebrate it when God blesses you. God has given me the desires of my heart. You, you know that scripture? God will give you the desires of your heart. When you get so intimate with God, it's not that God will give you the things your heart wants, it's God will tell your heart what to want for you. I would not go to burdens, I think they're still in business, aren't they? And spend 250 bucks on a suit, because I think it's a waste of money. So God puts it in people's hearts to have custom-made suits done for me, to take me to tailor's and have suits made that are two or three times what most people earn in a month for one suit. Did you see that over there? See all that jealousy just filled outside the room? <laughs> Did you? I'm trying to get you to think differently about yourself. See, now I walk past Burton's window and I look at the suits and I don't think I'd like to have that suit. I look at it and think, that's cheap compared to the suits I've got. I turned 42 years ago. I know I look about 90. (laughs) I turned 42 years ago. There was a knock on the door My postman knows me. I live in a small... You know the villages that Elaine was complaining about? I live in one of those. (laughs) What she didn't tell you is it takes a lot of money to live in a place like that. (laughs) That's why people that live in the big cities all complain about living in the country. It's just because you can't afford to, to live out in the country. Like, I'm joking. So there was a knock on my door, and it's my postman. Gwyn, his name is lovely fella. He lives right next door to my uncle, who just turned 97 years of age. Still driving. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I got this box here. It's come from Italy for you. I'm like, okay, there's only one thing I ordered from Italy, and I ain't bought any robes recently, because I was in Rome in July at the Vatican, and I bought them when I was there. He said, no, no, there's a box here for you, and it's come from Italy. So I signed for it. Take it in, open it up. Now, most of you won't even know what I'm talking about. I open it up, and there's a custom-made Brioni suit. They're like $6,000 a piece. I don't even know who it's from to this day, two and a half years later. Still don't know who bought it. I don't know how they got my measurements. But... When I put that suit on, I felt like a man with five legs whose trousers fit him like a glove. It fitted perfectly. Why? Because when you think about prospering for the kingdom the way that God intends for you to prosper in the kingdom, God will be better to you than you could ever be to yourself. Twelve months later, I'm preaching at a church just down the road in Ilford. I preached I was talking to the pastor just a few minutes ago. I preached. I went home. Three or four days later, there's a knock on my door. It's Gwyn. Now, I know when there's a knock that early, it's Gwyn. It's the postman, and there's a parcel. There's three people in my house. It's not always for me. Most of the time it is. And I open it just a plain white jiffy bag with my name on it. On the back is a postcode and a number. Ilford Postcode. Don't know the name of the road. Tried to find it, couldn't work it out. So I opened the envelope and there's two green, blue and gold boxes in there. I knew what they were straight away because the name was written on the top so here I am saying God you've been good to me and when I think God has been as good to me as he's possibly going to be two Rolex watches appear in my letterbox from someone I don't know who they came from I was in Nigeria because God's given me great favor with, with powerful men. I was visiting the Uni of Ife at his palace in Ile Ife. I was staying at his resort, and Sammy Okposo, the gospel singer, gave me a $20,000 watch. It was in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if you've ever been to Ife. The journey from Lagos to Ife, if it don't kill you, I I got stopped once. I I got stopped when we crossed the state line. And the policeman asked my driver, where are you going? He said, we're going to Ife. The bishop has an appointment with the uni. And he said to me very sarcastically, is he Yoruba? I said, no, I'm half Igbo. (laughs) He just laughed and let me through. He didn't know what to say. (laughs) I got there. I'm not joking, folks. I got there, and I said to God, just tell me what I did wrong. Tell me who I upset. Tell me what was it I said. What did I do? Because you brought me here to kill me. You must have. Now, uh, I have a lot of friends that are American. There's an an expression that they use over there. You, You might be familiar with it. The car they drove me in was what they call a raggedy old hoopty. I felt like a jelly by the time I got there because it had rattled every bone loose. And this guy's driving like 150k an hour across these bumpy roads. I'm like this in the back. Of the thing. And I had whiplash an hour after we left and we got another five hours to go. Quarter to 12 on a Saturday night when I am literally sat in my hotel room asking God, why did you bring me? I don't understand it. I came. I came to speak to the uni. I came to, to, uh, to speak to former president of Basenjo, I came to speak to important men. But why did you want me to come all the way up here? And a quarter to 12 on a Saturday night in my hotel room, he takes off a $20,000 gold watch and says, God just told me to bless you with my watch. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Son, I brought you here to show you. I'll get money to you wherever you are. The easiest thing in life is to prosper when you know how. See, we don't live in the fullness of God's grace. We live in the portion we've learned to receive. We don't live in the fullness of God's grace. We live in the portion we've learned to receive. So if most of you are not prospering the way you know that you should be, it's because you are a bad receiver. You've not learned how to receive more. The difference between Dewar and you, I'm good at receiving. I'm real good at receiving. I had to learn That God isn't looking for givers. God is looking for receivers. Because you can't give until you first received. I hear people tell me all the time Bishop, God's never given me anything. Oh, really? I'm not talking to a corpse. So God gave you life, you're not naked. God gave somebody money to give you clothes. When people tell me God's never given me anything, I'm not quite sure which it is, a liar or a devil. It's one of the two. You can't give till you've learned how to receive. There's a young lady that I know, I told you I don't keep still. There's a young lady that I know in Dallas, Texas. She has the most perfect reaction. My spiritual father buys her almost anything she wants. My daughter learned exactly the same thing. I know I don't look old enough to have children. It's the beard, it makes me look younger. Do you know what, I, I grew this beard last year just after I met Aunt Anna. Everybody said to me since then, you look so much better with the beard. I'm like, what, did I look ugly before? Did I, should I hide my face in shame? My daughter knew exactly how to, how to receive Because come birthdays or Christmas, I'd give her a gift. She was so ecstatic about what I gave her, then I wanted to give her another gift. Because your reaction to the first gift determines whether you get gift number two. The last time that I gave all the birthday gifts, I realized by the time I was done, she'd emptied my wallet as well. I'd given everything I had. All the cash in my wallet, all the money in my pocket. Why? Because when you find somebody that is so ecstatic about receiving, that knows how to create a reaction in you, in their receiving, you want to keep giving. Your reaction to God is determining God's reactions to you. Ah, I lost you. All right, let's keep it biblical. How many got a Bible? How many didn't bring their Bible? I'm going to I'm going to give you one thought, and then we're going to give you a real practical example, because we're going to change your life. Psalm five and verse twelve in the King James says, "For thou Lord will bless the righteous; with favour will you surround him like a shield." Anybody got a King James Bible? Am I right? The word compass there means to surround. For Thou Lord will bless the righteous. With favor shalt thou compass him as like a shield. How many ever said, God, I just need you to bless me? Okay. How many actually saw God bless you when you said that? One, most of you put your hands up. Are you sure? You sure God blessed you? You sure? You sure God wasn't just being merciful to you? He gave what? You still got it? Still happening? That's a blessing. How many of you saw consistency in it? One, two. See, if, if if the thing you ask God to bless you with is not consistency, you mistook God's mercy for his favor. If the thing that you ask God to bless you with is not consistently happening, you mistook God's mercy for his favor. See, we see little sporadic episodes of God doing things in your life, and we say, I'm greatly blessed and highly favored, but you're living in his mercy, because favor is a continual thing. Psalm 30, verse 5, says that his favor, in his favor, is life. One translation puts it, his favor lasts a lifetime if you're not seeing every single day flowing in God's blessings, you are mistaking his mercy for his favor. Because Psalm 5 and verse 12 says, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. Most people I've ever encountered, and I've spoken to millions of people, have prayed this prayer. God, I just need you to bless me. Which tells me, according to Psalm 5 and verse 12, you don't know who you are. Because you're asking God to give you something He already gave. I know my father, earthly and heavenly, thank God. But I know my biological father. He already gave me my inheritance. I already knew what I was getting, and I've already had it. He's still alive. But he gave it to me in this lifetime. But it was not a continual thing. God's favor is continual when your mind is set to prosper. I'm gonna make you come back tomorrow now, because I'm gonna pick up on some of this tomorrow, but I wanna I wanna close out with something really practical. Everybody get a piece of pen, a piece of paper and a pen. A piece of pen and a paper. A piece of paper and a pen. Everybody got one? Okay. This is my practical example and we're gonna pick up on this tomorrow. So now you have gotta come back to find out what I'm gonna say about it. Mama didn't raise a fool. I want you to write down the three goals you want to achieve this year. Top three goals. One of them is to be married, praise God, might be to buy a car, might be to change a job, start a business, buy a house, can't see your writing. Don't ask the person next to you, they're your goals, not not someone else's. What are the three things you want to do this year? To give you an idea, one of mine is to start an acquisitions company. I want to own a company that buys other companies. There's a reason for it. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8:18, 8, "I will give you the power to create wealth." That's the Hebrew, "create." The King James says, "Get wealth." I can get anything I want. I just walk into a shop and take it. it doesn't mean to say that I. The legal right to own it, they call that shoplifting. I don't believe the fastest way to get revenue is to create it. I believe the fastest way to get revenue is to buy it. Let somebody else do all the other work, sweep in and buy the business. Told you, mama didn't raise a fool. Why not? The Bible says buy wisdom. That's why we buy books. Knowledge is information. Wisdom's known what to do with it. If you ask for wisdom and you've got no knowledge, you can be pretty wise as a fool. There was plenty of them in the Bible. I kind of wish I'd been here earlier to teach a few business principles as well. I'd love to teach you. Don't, don't, don't ever buy a business that's for, that, that's for sale because it's for sale for one of two reasons. It's failing or the owner wants out. Either way, there's a problem. I'm looking at businesses that aren't for sale. My intention is to make, I feel like a mafia don when I approach business meetings. I wanna make them enough where he can't refuse. That's a reference from The Godfather. Say, yes, Bishop, why were you watching The Godfather? I wasn't always a saint. (laughs) Trust me, when the kingdom of darkness lost me, they lost a good sinner. I could sin with the best of them. You all got your three goals? Okay. Now, add detail to them. If you wrote, I want to be married, write happily. How many hear the, the English proverb, the devil's in the detail? Um, Have you ever heard the English proverb, the devil is in the detail? It means your undoing is in your lack of details, your lack of vision, focus. If you want to buy a car, which car? What color? I got my mind on a new car. I saw plenty of them when I stopped to uh, take a restroom break on the way up. I drove 260 miles this morning to come be with you. I made more of a commitment than half the people had said they were coming. As y'all were asleep, I was sat in the car driving. I don't travel with an assistant, don't need one, I can carry my own bag. Steering wheels in the same place I always was, so I can drive myself. I should travel with an assistant. My travel schedule for the last few years got so hectic, I ended up having a heart attack last year. So I parked over by the Tesla charging point today when I went to the motorway services because every time I walk past one, I go, thank you, God. There's a reason I want to buy a Tesla. It's gonna save me a fortune in gas money. I drive a four liter V8 Range Rover. I drive a diesel, so it's not quite as bad as a petrol one, but it still drinks juice like it's going out of fashion. I just like big cars. I used to drive a Smart car, you know, the little two-seater thing. Oh, you should have seen the look on people's faces when I rocked up at their church in that thing. You know, the tiny little bubble, and I get out like, how on earth did you fit in that thing? It might be a house you want to buy. Where? It might be I want to go on holiday. I want to go to a particular place. Where? I'm trying to get you to put details in, and there's a reason for it. Everybody done it? Now, if it's something you want to buy or you want to own, put a price next to it. What's the, how much are you willing to pay for it? I don't buy new cars. They're a waste of money. The moment you drive it off the forecourt, you lost 35%. I buy old cars, but I tell God, this is how much I'm willing to pay for it. So not used to somebody else's heart to buy it. I'm prepared to wait on any deal. I am, uh, how many people know Dr. Mike Murdoch? Or know of Dr. Murdoch? Dr. Murdoch is is, uh, my longest serving spiritual father, one of my closest confidants and friends. He tells everybody, you should meet Bishop Kaidua. He is the master negotiator. I can negotiate anything, because I'm prepared to walk away. If I want something in a store, I walk in with cash in my hand. Never negotiate with a credit card. You won't get it. You'll pay retail. When you negotiate and you hold the cash where they can see it, you'll pay the price you want to pay. You'll pay the price you want to pay. Never buy anything on credit either. I tell people all the time, don't buy a house and don't buy a car on credit. Not when I serve a God that says, "Given it should be given to you 30, 60, 100 fold. If I'm looking to buy a house, I will take one month's mortgage and sow it. That mortgage payment might be, I don't know, three grand. I'll sow that as a seed in expectation for a desired result, desired harvest. Now I can say that with authority. I used to be a farmer. We had 572 acres of land. I lived in the castle. Beautiful old thing, freezing cold. Walls were four foot thick. When it was warm, it was warm. When it was cold, my God, it was cold. But we farmed, never seen a barn that could fill itself. Sowing took work and reaping took work. So if you tell me I'm just waiting on God, what you're telling me is Bishop Kai? I'm waiting for God to do it for me. Guess what? It ain't happening. You will have to work the seed and you will have to work a harvest. I might explain that tomorrow. You will have to work a seed and you will have to work a harvest. I have never had the opportunity to sit in my lounge watching television whilst the tractor drove itself, whilst the combine drove itself and cut the harvest. I had to go out and work it. All got your details? Lift them up. Prove to me that you're not lying. Wonderful. I'd like to welcome you to the 3%. You know who the 3% are? The 3% of this world are the people that own more wealth, land, and real estate than the other 97% combined you know why I said welcome to the 3%? Because they're the only people on the planet that have written, focused, structured goals. If you cannot see it, you will never receive it. If you go outside, you'll see my Range Rover. It was a picture on my bedroom wall for years before it was parked outside my house. If you cannot see it, you will never receive it. That's why God told the prophet Habakkuk, write the vision down. Make it plain. I want a silver Rolls Royce with black leather. Guess what? The picture on my wall was a silver Rolls Royce with a black leather interior. The vision was written and it was plain. Most people say, I want to prosper someday. When is someday? Tomorrow? 25 years from now? When is someday? One day I'll get married. Which day? One day I'll start a business. I was sitting in Germany with a group of businessmen. We're almost out of time, so I'm almost done. I was sitting in uh, in Germany with a group of businessmen connected to one of our cathedral churches there. And one of them told me about a business that he wanted to do. And I said to him, yeah, I don't believe you no, no, I'm serious. I said, no, you're not. You're not serious at all. I actually said this to Auntie Anna as well about her vision, about her goals. I said, you're not serious about it at all. He said, how can you say that? I said, because if you were serious, you'd already be doing it. Bible says, be a doer. The the doer translation says, put up or shut up. Yeah, Get and do it. Don't talk about it. I wrote a book on it called Vision, The Power of a Dream. There's a difference between dreamers and people possessed with a dream. Dreamers are the ones that 20 years from now are still talking about it. Still telling me I'm going to prosper. Still telling me I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But somebody possessed with a dream doesn't say much about it. They just get out and do it. And then suddenly you come to church one Sunday and there Bentleys in the parking lot and you go, How on earth did you do that? Well, I didn't talk about it. I just got up and did it. Jesus didn't talk to the disciples about healing the sick, he just did it. Peter didn't talk to the 120 in the room. He just went out in the street filled with the Holy Spirit and preached the gospel. 3,000 people got saved. The difference between 3% and 97% is they don't talk about it, they just go and do it. Elon Musk, probably the greatest example, told everybody years ago, did you know that he started PayPal, by the way? That's how he st- uh, Elon Musk got, what, Tesla or anything like that. Elon Musk came up with the idea for PayPal. Went out and told everybody, I'm going to change the world. Didn't tell them how, just when did it. Steve Jobs, when he created the Apple computer, told everybody, I'm going to change the way computers work. I use iPhones and iPads and all that. Most of you probably use Android. There's more computing power in the cell phone in your hand than there was that put a man on the moon. My cell phone has a 256 gigabyte hard drive. right? 2000 and, what year is it, 19, that's that big. In 1962, 256 gigabytes would have taken a warehouse five square miles. That's 25 miles of ground surface for the same that I now carry in my pocket. If you're going to prosper, what you have in your hand is enough. There's not a single person in this room that couldn't make a million pounds. The only reason you don't is because you just won't do it. The only reason you're prospering is because you just won't think right. Jesus taught more on money than than anything else except the kingdom. Go read the New Testament. I've read the Bible more times than you can count. Jesus taught more on money than anything else except the kingdom of God. 25% of what he spoke about in the New Testament was financially related. There is not a reason on earth that by this time next year, you could be making six, seven figures. Not a reason on earth. The only reason you come back next year and you're in the same position you are today is because you just didn't do it. When I think about starting a $60 million business, that is small to me because my perspective of what God can do is a whole lot bigger. I can say that with a surety because at 27, my business was worth $40 million. I started my first business at 15 I determined at 15 I was going to sell to the best and my first client was Harrods the only reason that you're not doing the thing that you say you're going to do The reason that you're not achieving the thing that you say you're going to achieve, the reason you're not prospering the way you say that you're going to prosper, is because you are not passionate enough to pursue it with everything you got. I looked crazy at 15 years of age, walking into the Harrod sales office with a suit that didn't fit because I'd had to borrow my dad's. But I walked in that sales office at 15 years of age, fully persuaded, when I walk out, they'll sign a contract with me. I wasn't leaving there till they did. It's kind of like Jacob when he said, I ain't letting go of you till you bless me. It's just that determination inside that says, I'm not giving up until I've done the thing I'm capable of doing. But what you want to do is this most of us come up with a business idea that somebody else has already had. Then we put in a a Welsh expression, a, a half assed attempt at doing business and fail and say, oh well, you know, I obviously made a mistake. No, you just didn't have any originality at all. There was nothing unique about you. Why did Apple computers take off when Bill Gates was selling Microsoft computers? Because Apple computers were better, they worked better, They had more power than a Microsoft computer. He took somebody else's idea and made it so unique. Everybody wanted his. Why why did the iPhone take off the way it did? When everybody already had Blackberries and cell phones? Because there wasn't another phone on the planet like the iPhone. Then then Google wanted to get in on it. Now we're gonna make Android phones. Now everybody's making phones. Why? Because you can either be a thought leader or you can be a thought follower. There's two kinds of people in this world and this is my closing thought because we're out of time. Romans 12 and two says being not conformed to this world but being transformed by the renewing of the mind. There are two kinds of people in the kingdom. There are conformers and there are transformers. So if you're gonna think prosperity, I'll pick this up again tomorrow. If you're going to think prosperity, if you're going to think kingdom, if you're going to do business with God, if you're going to excel in your life, if you're going to build a multi-million pound business, whatever it is your goal is, you'll never do it if you think to conform. You must always think with the mind of God to transform. The scripture says for us as New Testament believers, having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ is having unlimited creative power to create, to be, to do, or to have anything you desire for His glory, for His kingdom. Amen? Pastor, uh, I'm done for today. I told you we'll do blessed of the short-winded. I'll be picking up again tomorrow. 'Cause you all got me all day tomorrow. Are you playing tomorrow? Maybe. I don't do maybes. Yes or no? Oh, we're gonna have some church tomorrow then. Don't don't let this pasty exterior fool you. I promise you. Thank you, sir.